Hi, my name is Carmen, and I am an early childhood special education teacher, a life and ADHD coach, and I'm the host of this podcast, Authentically ADHD. I created this podcast to help anyone wondering if they have ADHD, people who have been diagnosed for a while and want some more support and community. I'm here to bring you the latest research on ADHD and neurodiversities while we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of ADHD. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hi, my friend, and welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Really, how are you doing? I returned back to work this week, and it went a lot better than I thought it would. Now, let me explain. For kids at the pre-K age and with my neurodiversity, it's difficult to transition from a break back into our daily routine of work and for them, school. I have set us up for success this year though. I stayed on my routine over break and I think that I really helped the students transition back by reminding them of the expectations and validating their emotions that it is hard to come back to this routine after being at home for two weeks where you can be unmasked and be yourself. I truly try to make my classroom a place where they can be unmasked, but some kids just really aren't comfortable with that. Yesterday, we had e-learning for the first time since the pandemic because of the snowstorms. So that was super interesting, but I'm super impressed by my students and the families because they participated a lot. They participated in ways that I have never seen before because when we were doing this during the pandemic, we were building the plane as we were flying it, hoping that it wouldn't fall out of the air. Now I felt confident and the kids all wanted to show up. That tells me that they like school. We had a fake snowball fight with these really soft balls and we observed snow, like real snow, melting and we sang a song about silly elephants that promotes counting. So that story that I just told serves two purposes. First, it helps you and I connect when I tell you about my life and it also makes it a little bit more like we are on the same level. Just because I create a podcast that has tips and tricks and education doesn't mean that my life is perfect or that I have figured everything out. I promise you I haven't because it shows you one of the first things I want to talk about when we talked about being productive when we have ADHD. And it's your big why of it all. But I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. So let me start with a question. Do you find productivity to be difficult with your neurodiverse brain? 
it makes sense because our brains are wired differently. They are literally made different. Have you ever started a task or a big project or even just a regular everyday task and then you lose motivation part or halfway through or when you're at a certain point? Do you procrastinate on doing tasks that are especially difficult, tedious, boring, or uninteresting for you? If the answer is yes, it totally makes sense. You have ADHD and the ADHD brain does not use dopamine that the, in the way that typically developing brains do. So our norepinephrine doesn't always help kick us into gear fully. A lot of people think that we have just a deficient amount of dopamine in our brain, but really it's, it's not, that's not what it is. Norepinephrine and dopamine are chemicals that release in the brain and then they do what's called reuptake, which means that the brain reabsorbs the chemical that it releases. We have issues with releasing dopamine on time. The dopamine in our brain does not wire with our working memory to, you know, help us get that um, dopamine before a task, knowing that it's going to end in something good, like getting the dopamine to kick off the norepinephrine to do the dishes because you know you'll have a clean sink at the end of it. Am I making sense? We sometimes, the dopamine goes off when it should, but our brain eats it up so fast that it doesn't have time to kick the norepinephrine into gear and kick us up into gear. And this is why we sometimes start a task or project and then totally lose motivation half or partway through. Then we also spend so much time and energy trying to start the thing, task initiation figuring out how to do the thing and the steps to getting to the end of the thing. Whatever the task is in front of us, we have a very hard time saying at the end of my productivity time, I will have this product because seriously, productive people we produce. So you produce a product. When I am done recording, the words that I wrote on this paper, I will have a podcast. That is the dopamine and working memory disconnection in our brain that we don't always have because there are so many parts to doing a task and starting a task and we are deficient in all of those areas of our brain. It requires just a lot to get a task done. Sometimes we expend so much energy just trying to start that we don't actually have any energy left to complete the task. I'm going to say that again because I feel like it's really important. We sometimes spend so much energy just trying to start that we don't have anything left to actually start or complete the task. We have to use our prefrontal cortex and be mindful of perfectionism when trying to be quote unquote productive. 
Productivity requires planning, prioritizing, organization, emotional regulation, and time management. Not only do we struggle with these executive functions, but we also must be self-aware of perfectionism and or self-sabotage sneaking in. Is your brain tired yet? Because mine definitely is. In typically developing brains, the anticipation of getting the dishes done gives the brain a shot of dopamine, which helps kick up that norepinephrine to do the dishes, and then they get a feeling of accomplishment when the task is complete, giving feedback to the brain that doing the dishes creates a positive feeling in the body. In ADHD brains, that anticipatory dopamine either doesn't release or it gets sucked up so fast that it does not have a chance to kick the norepinephrine into gear. If it does, then the interest in the activity comes into play. If the task is boring, tedious, or super new and unknown, we have to work a lot harder and stay mo- like to stay motivated and get motivated to do the thing. If we like the, the task or we are interesting, if it's an interest, and we could actually lose track of time when doing this ed task and it can turn into hyper-focus. Hi friend, could you do me a huge favor? If you're not already, could you scroll up to the top of your podcast app and click that follow button and possibly give me a rating and if you could, a review? It would mean so much to me and my goal to get as much information out to the people with ADHD as possible. I appreciate you so much for listening. Thank you and let's get back to the show. Hyperfocus is very misunderstood. A lot of typically developing people think that it's a superpower for ADHDers, but it's actually a very big paradigm of ADHD. It comes in handy when urgency has us up all night finishing an assignment due to the next that's due the next day or finishing a longer task by getting completely immersed in it. But when we are in hyperfocus, our self-awareness is basically on mute. I've been so deep into my hyperfocus that I forget to eat until my stomach starts to actually hurt or I'm running late for a different task or appointment now because I spent so much time in hyperfocus. Doing so made my time blindness appear in full force. Don't get me wrong, ADHDers, we need hyperfocus. It helps us, but it's a lot more useful when we can somewhat control it, which requires being kind of self-aware. Hyperfocus can happen with really any task and in many situations. Sometimes I get hyperfocused when I'm writing my podcast, when I'm decluttering, or when I'm creating a bunch of TikToks. I can also get stuck in hyperfocus with tasks that aren't necessarily productive, like watching a new show, playing games on my phone, or scrolling, but researching like a new term that I've heard or doing those kinds of things. Like the term 
isn't something that's going to help me in the long run and I'm probably going to forget to the next day. <laughs> this is part of ADHD because it all revolves around focus. Attention deficit disorder is not a deficit in attention. It's a regulation disorder. It's actually easier to think of it like this. When trying to focus and use our attention, we are trying to use a flashlight and shine it on that one thing that we need to focus on. ADHD brains don't have just one flashlight. We have like 15 and they are turning on and off. Um, sometimes, most of the time, completely just on their own, shining in many different directions. This is where distraction comes in. When focusing on one thing, especially if we aren't in hyperfocus, there's nothing new about it. Then when something new, anything new, catches our attention or interest, or an emotion may come up that can lead us off the course of productivity because it's uncomfortable, that's when we get distracted. We have a deficit in working memory also, so it's super hard to get back on track. I talked before about having a big why behind what you are doing and what you are trying to achieve because it's one way to get motivated to do a task. For example, when I can't seem to get started on recording a podcast episode, I think of you guys, my listeners, my literal why is to help as many people understand their ADHD and work better with their brains rather than fighting with them because I know how painful it is and how exhausting it is. And I want to help as many people as positive, po as possible, <laughs> positively. <laughs> This concept alone doesn't always work because important tasks or goals like writing a podcast or completing a paper or writing a book, while being very important to us, they also require smaller, boring, more tedious tasks. You must research what you're talking about or writing about, then find a layout that works, then gather and synthesize that information and then put that information in order. And finally, write it down on paper in a cohesive manner so it all makes sense. That's writing a podcast. And then I also mentioned earlier how we need to be aware of perfectionism when, being, when trying to get into a productive zone as well. Did you know that there are two types of perfectionism that we engage in? Dr. Russell Barkley explains it in his books and in talks that he's done around the world. He talks about perfectionism and how it shows up in two ways. One, front-end perfectionism, and two, back-end perfectionism. Front-end perfectionism looks like needing the perfect environment, the right tools, quote-unquote, and the perfect situation in order to start the thing. Examples look like, I need to clean this whole kitchen before baking these cookies, or I just need to find one more piece of research to complete this paper, or I just need to read through one more time before I record this podcast. 
The second type is back-end perfectionism. That comes around after finishing the tasks, but not marking it as finished. Editing it for a lengthy amount of time, an unlikely lengthy amount of time. Trying to make it better, or essentially perfect in our minds, before putting it out there in the world. This is usually, this comes from fear of releasing vulnerability, and this can also look like adding on to or taking more things out of our completed project in order to perfect it. So you could be adding in things that don't make sense, or you could be taking out important aspects because you're trying to make it perfect. And this is very subconscious so not a pe not a lot of people are aware when they're doing this in our ADHD brains we don't have the learned experience of being satisfied with completing tasks that are not new of high interest or urgent that's what motivates our neurodiverse brains urgency novelty and interest we crave that extra stimulation that comes along with urgency novelty and interest because our brain's executive functions and motivation chemicals aren't released in the same way as typically developing brains. We have intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation describes the reward we feel when we complete a task simply because we find it enjoyable, simply because we find it interesting and or satisfying in itself. For example, eating ice cream. You have no reason for doing that. It just is yummy and we, it feels good and it's great. Um, learning about your interests because that satisfies you. Or playing your favorite game on a phone. Watching your favorite show. New episode. Extrinsic motivation relies on the external reward or consequence. A finished podcast to release is the reward. The baked cookies that you need for the bake sale is the reward. Or completing the work task so you don't get in trouble or have negative consequences. That's what extrinsic motivation is. Sometimes for ADHDers, the rewards and those motivations, they seem so far away that we can't see or feel any motivation or reward because of our time blindness and the need for stimulation when there's motivation. That's what keeps us going, the stimulation, not necessarily the, mo the uh, motivation. It's the stimulation because we have interest-based, hyperactive nervous systems and brains. Hey ADHD, are you looking for more support with your brain? Do you crave community with people who understand you? You should really check out Focused, the group coaching program I'm a part of that is for adults with ADHD. 
It's made and run by none other than Kristen Carter of the I Have ADHD podcast. I've grown so much by being in this program, using the tools, and being in the community for over a year now. If you use the link in my show notes, we both save money on this or next month's um, cost. So I think it's worth it. Go check it out at IHaveADHD.com slash focused. There's also a barrier to getting started on a task that is made up of emotions and our familiarity with failure in our past. Doing a task that proves to be difficult or forces us to feel uncomfortable emotions are harder because we have to move all of those barriers or what a lot of ADHD experts call a wall of awful. We have to move it or get through it and we believe that we can't, that we aren't good enough, that it's all just too much. My coach says this all the time and I love it now that I know how to manage it. She says thoughts are everything period. And they are. If you look at your life right now, all of the things in your life are a production of your thoughts. Your thoughts about yourself, about time, about the task, and the emotions that go along with the task. If you often have the thought like, I'm not a productive person, you will never become a productive person. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Because just thinking I am a productive person won't magically make you a productive unicorn, okay? That's way too much cognitive flexibility that our brain just can't do. It just doesn't. But changing your thoughts and your self-talk can help a ton. Talking to yourself in a kind and compassionate way, validating your emotions, and changing your thoughts to... I could become a person who is productive. I can do this for five minutes. I can do this for 10 minutes. These thoughts can help motivate you to get a task done because they produce more emotions like capable instead of a mess. This type of rewiring your brain will help, but it's deep work that takes time and it takes work it's best done in community. So again, we are going back to self-awareness and being kind to yourself, being super important and becoming a more quote unquote productive person. There are ways to help you start becoming more productive while you do the work of changing your thoughts. And I have a few things that work for me and I'm going to share those tips with you. But first, let's talk about that guilt and shame that you feel when you don't get something done that you wanted to or you said that you should or you put on a list. You may not think that you are actually the one creating those emotions, but you are. If you've been a longtime listener, you know that situations trigger thoughts which create emotions and those emotions drive our actions. Your thoughts are so important. We cannot make positive change through guilt and shame and berating. 
It doesn't work like that. Not at all. So using these tips will be helpful, but not if you are beating yourself up about all the things that you didn't get done, that you um, didn't, you know, put on a list or the thing that you put on the list that you didn't do, okay? If you wouldn't talk to your child, your best friend, or your significant other in the way that you're talking to yourself when you are shaming and berating yourself, um, then I wouldn't ever talk to yourself that way. Because if the answer is no, you have some work to do. Remember, you have ADHD. You have time blindness, difficulty with organization, difficulty with planning, a crappy working memory, and all of these things are required in being productive and completing tasks. So give yourself some grace, okay? We also want to make sure that we aren't trying to fantasy plan, setting a plan to get up early and do all these things, and basically just setting ourselves up for failure because the plan is a fantasy. The plan we've made actually takes much more time than the time we actually have. I mean, unless you have more time in your day or I am not sure. Ask me how I know that this doesn't work. I've tried and it leads right into burnout. So please try to keep your schedule constrained and realistic. Okay, are you ready for some practical tips? Let's do this. Number one, leave yourself breadcrumbs. Number two, use the parallel task tool. Number three, move your body or change your environment. Now, before I go into each of these three strategies, I want you to know that there are a ton of productivity tricks, tools, strategies, apps, I mean, for example, having a distraction-free environment, using body devil, making the task a game, adding dopamine rewards throughout the long-term goal. There are so many, many, many more out there. These are just three that work really well for me after I've tried different ways and experimenting. I've learned that these three things help me the most when I'm being persistent. So if you resonate with them or like them, great, try them out. If you like one or two, but you don't care for the others, that's cool too. Just know you have more than these three strategies to choose from. There are a ton and you don't have to agree with me to learn from me. Okay. So the first one is leaving yourself breadcrumbs. This is a way that I get back into flow in a longer term goal or project that takes a few days, weeks, or months. An example for me is, and I know I use this a lot, but it's easy to use, is when I'm writing these episodes. Sometimes I can do one episode in a day, but I cannot do much else in that day. Then, because it takes up to four to five hours to brainstorm topics, choose a topic, create an outline, research, and then synthesize that research, and then use all of that to write 
a coherent episode that makes sense and is engaging, then recording that episode and publishing it on my platforms, um, that takes a long time. And that's a lot of steps. This rarely happens all in one day. This podcast was actually breadcrumbed quite a few times. So when I start, I usually set a timer. And this is for a lot of the tasks that I do because I easily fall into hyper-focus when I'm writing my podcast or doing some of a lot of the things that I'm that I do that I like to do. So I set timers. I'm also very time blind, so I need clocks everywhere and I need timers to ding to let me know like how much time has passed. So when I need to stop, I leave off at a certain point in the episode and then I write the concepts that I want to continue writing about on a sticky note and I put it on the page right where I left off so I can remember where I was, what I was writing about. And then I also reread probably like the, either the whole episode or a couple sentences right beforehand when I do this over several days so that the episode is smooth and it doesn't sound choppy. Am I making sense? Let me give you another example. Say you need to remember to write in a journal daily every morning. Your breadcrumb would look something like leaving a writing utensil in your journal by something you automatically do in the morning. Like, I get up, I immediately have to pee. Might be weird, but I would keep my journal right on the bathroom counter. If you don't want to forget about concepts in an audiobook you're listening to, Write down the chapter and the minute marker with the concept so you can go back to it. Breadcrumbing really helps the weak working memory. And since that is an area that I struggle with a lot, I find breadcrumbing to be extremely helpful because it's a visual cue to trigger your memory. The second strategy I use is helpful for those boring and tedious chores that we despise doing such as maybe laundry, dishes, taxes, decluttering, cleaning, etc. I pair these tasks with listening to my favorite podcasts, audiobooks, and or watching my favorite show. Now, this strategy does not work for being productive when you have to like actually pay attention. For example, watching a TV show or listening to a podcast when trying to do deeper work, like writing a paper or doing research, things like for your job, um, you won't be able to focus on both those things. Like I can't teach my class while I'm listening to a podcast, but I can do laundry, work out, declutter, and do dishes while listening to a podcast. What this does is it adds some enjoyment to the tasks that really we really hate doing. So we put them off, leaving doom piles in our paths. It adds some dopamine to the task, especially if there is a new episode to watch or listen to. ADHD brains love novelty. So that's why this strategy helps with getting those boring, tedious tasks that we need to do in our lives to improve our quality of life. This can work during a workout, while you shower, while you eat. It also helps you to know how long 
the thing that you're listening to or watching is, then the strategy works in another way by helping you management, manage the time as well as making the task more enjoyable. The third productivity strategy I use is exercise and changing up the environment that I'm working in. Please don't stop the podcast here because I don't necessarily mean that you need to go make a whole workout plan to improve your productivity. Doing some jumping jacks, squats, or stretching can help you regulate and recenter your brain and help set off that dopamine and norepinephrine. For me personally, I need to do a full workout, stretch, or run in the early hours of the day or else my emotional regulation is terrible, my memory is even worse, and I have no motivation to do much of anything. When my emotions are all over and hard to manage, it's super hard to get myself to do anything productive. I also walk outside or on my treadmill during transitions in the day. It helps me refocus to work brain. Like it helps me transition from work brain to home brain or productive brain to rest brain. There's a ton of research and personal stories, including mine, proving that exercise is one of the top non-medication treatments for ADHD. I have a two-part episode all about why you can, why working out is so helpful, why it works, and how you can work it into your schedule little by little. The other part of this tool appeals to the love of novelty, moving to work in an area that you don't often work in. Go outside, go to a different room, or go to the library or treat yourself at a coffee shop to get some work done. The ADHD brain loves novelty, so a change in scenery may be just what you need. It may sound simple, and it is, but it can make a difference. I really hope this episode was helpful, and I invite you to try out different productivity strategies to see which ones you want to put in your toolbox. Always working with our brains instead of fighting against them. That's all I have for now. Stay authentic, my friends, and we will talk soon.